I've made like a little nest for myself out of my big fluffy white bathrobe and pillows. Adorbs. Because in true not yet monetized podcast fashion, I have nowhere to sit but on the floor. <laughs> I wanted to record in my bed, but I couldn't figure out like where I could put my microphone and my laptop. So when I first uh, got out here, I wanted to record in my bed. And we figured out that it made too much noise. And I was like, fuck. Oh, like it, how it's creaky and shit? Yes. Yeah. That's all right. It's fine. It's okay. just, I can't record because then everybody will think I'm fucking. What? Speaking of fucking. <laughs> I'm curious to see where you're going to go with this. So yeah, go ahead. Our subject today. Oh, yes, he does some fucking. He does, he does do some, some fucking. fucking. Spoiler does he, alert. Does he like the fucking? He do. This is crime culture. Yeah. And, and that's Caitlin. And that's Haley. And who are we talking about today? Oh, no, you know, nobody's probably ever heard of him, but we're talking about a little old man named Ed Kemper today. Little? Uh, yeah yeah well i mean <laughs> between that and nobody's ever heard of him i feel like i feel like it's safe to say there was some dripping creative sarcasm. sarcasm there yes no yeah, we'll get into so just how how little or not little ed kemper he's, was he's quite a heavy hitter he is he is a large dude at he's one a point, very large man at one point i believe in here i referred to him as a human sasquatch <laughs> that's i mean accurate <laughs> Or no, I did, I I did, but then I took it out because I was worried he would know. It's alright. He's, I mean, he's still alive, but he's like in jail. He is, which is that that ruins the spoil. That's a spoiler alert for the end because I was gonna be like, by the way, yeah, he's still fucking alive. But it's yeah, alright. Surprise, TLDR. Surprise. Ed Kemper's alive. <laughs> all right. Do we want to start at the very beginning? No, I want to start at the end, please. Okay. So we're gonna go backwards. Let's go backwards. Yes. Um, all right, so from the beginning, um, Edmund Emil Kemper III, he's very, very important, um, was born on December 18th, 1948 in Burbank, California, so like right by me, and he weighed oh, damn. 13 fucking pounds, R.I.P. his Oof. mother's vagina. Well, damn. I don't know if they did cesarean sections back then, but I hope for her sake that they did. Yeah, probably. Like, Jesus God, especially because, like, she gives birth to a, like, a whopper, and then she, he, like, what does he have to show for it in terms of showing his thanks? And we'll get into right. that later, because, whoo, um, it's a yeah. doozy. Yeah, no, this one is a, who boy, this one's a big one. But 13 <laughs> pounds. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. 13 pounds, like, R.I.P., I'm sorry, like, no, 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 no. Um, but so he was the middle child of Edmund Emile Kemper II, shocking, um, who went by E.E. E. and Clarnell Kemper. Clarnell. Clarnell. That's what I'm going to call you from now on. Or, you know, you could not, but I mean, that's up to you, <laughs> I guess. Um, I just find it crazy that he was the second child and she had another child she after had, that after she yes. had a 13 pound baby well, well that's like my sister i'm the oldest and my sister once told me when she was younger 
that my parents um adopted her because they had to keep trying because they had me and they just needed to like keep trying till they got a good one well and, yeah um, i mean that's what all younger siblings say i say oh, that to no, my sister I know, all but, the time but in this case it was probably all too real that his parents were like please we gotta keep trying for like Fuck one that's kid. not a homicidal maniac um <laughs> because he did show signs early but we'll get into that so his mom clarnell was a stay-at-home mom and his dad was a World War II vet who, after the war, tested nuclear weapons in the Pacific Proving Grounds before returning to California, where he worked as an electrician. So Kemper's dad often complained about his, quote, menial electrician job. And he also said that, quote, this one's a doozy. Like, th- like all right, Ed Kemper is not all right, mm-hmm. but his his childhood his life story leading up to his crimes it kind of makes you go no wonder like it really does so we're we're getting right into the thick of it now his father said quote suicide missions in wartime and the atomic bomb testings were nothing compared to living with clarnell jesus christ oh it gets better he also said that she affected him quote as a grown man, more than 396 days and nights of fighting on the front did. Wow. Yes. So, like, he literally was like, I'd rather go back to war than be with this woman. She is Just a get miserable divorced, witch. You fucking wimp. Well, they did. They did. Um, they did get divorced in 1957. Kemper was nine years old. And he moved in with his mother and his two sisters in Helena, Cal- Helena, Montana, not California. Um, hey, sis, and- my sister's in Montana. Not Helena, but Hi, she's there. Hi, Jean! Oh, I love Jean. Um, so this, this episode is then dedicated to Jean in Montana. Please stay away from the Kempers. And um, so Ed had a really close relationship with his dad. And when his parents separated, he was pretty much devastated. And then as a result, he had a difficult relationship with his mom. You know, like the typical, like as a kid, like very often you'll see some resentment there and you'll think that one parent. Yeah, like especially caught, that age. Like, yes, exactly. That's he's a on, rough he's age only nine. Exactly. He's in like third grade. Like, oh, I can't imagine. But um, so on top of his preference for his dad, his mom, this is why his dad was like living. I'd rather go on suicide missions. Um. His mom was a neurotic, domineering alcoholic who would frequently belittle, humiliate, and abuse Ed. What a catch. Oh no, it gets it gets cuter, I promise. Clarnell regularly mocked him for his large size because he was a head taller Aww. than his peers starting at the age of four. Oh wow. I know. And well, starting at birth, pretty much. Uh, yeah, right, right. Um, by the time he was 15, he stood at six foot, six feet, eight inches, four inches. Holy six hell. Six feet, four inches. By 15, he's not even done growing yet. Oh my God. Um, and Clarnell also called him, quote, a real weirdo. Oh. She, oh, no, it gets even worse. This is where I'm like, this is what I'm saying. Like, it sucks. And it's like, geez, Clarnell, maybe if you weren't such a fucking bitch, your kid wouldn't have murdered people. Yeah, right. Um, so no, she refused to coddle him because she was afraid that he would quote turn gay. And because that's she, how that works, right? Well, I mean, that's like my grandma once told me. Um, 
my brother has special needs and my grandma told me that she was glad that Timmy was born in a time where people were like, okay, he's got autism. It's a thing. It's because we don't know what causes it yet, but X, Y, and Z, because apparently back in the 50s when my grandma was a mom, there was a thing called refrigerator mothers. And oh, basically- Jesus, that doesn't sound good. Oh, it's not. Basically, if your kid turned out with special needs, they would say it was because you you as a mother did not love your kid enough. Oh, Alternatively, if your kid turned out gay or anything like that, it was because they were loved too much. Just love your kids just enough. Just yeah, to get right? by. Right? As if, like, housewives don't have enough fucking pressure. Like, no wonder all the housewives in the 50s were alcoholics, like Clarnell. Like, I mean, I'd need some booze to get through that, too. It's a lot of pressure. Exactly. And plus, I hate vacuuming, much less vacuuming in high heels. Like, fuck that. Fuck but, um, that. Fuck that. So she she didn't want him to be gay. She didn't want him to be gay. She told Ed that he reminded her of his father. And that no woman would ever love him. Oh, oh my God. Right? 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 Like, if we're talking refrigerator mothers here, hello. Hell fucking oh. We're finding, like, a theme with, like, shitty moms. Like, Gein's mom was a piece of shit. Yeah. No, I really think that has something to do with it. I promise you. But, um, so Kemper later described his mother as a, quote, sick, angry woman. And it is believed that she suffered from borderline personality disorder. Yeah, probably. When, oh, no, it gets it gets it gets fucked. Um, when Kemper was 10 years old, she forced him to live in the basement away from his older and younger sister because she was worried that he might hurt them in some way, which, despite Clarnell's abuse, kind of made sense based on Kemper's personality as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so to get into that a little bit. Kemper had a really dark fantasy life, and sometimes he dreamed about killing his mother. This is as a child. Um, he I mean, if your mom was that much of a piece of shit, then all right. I mean, yeah, but on the, on the same side of the coin, like, I know that this isn't fantasy world. This isn't, like, fiction, but Harry Potter wasn't sitting there in his little cupboard under the stairs going, gee, how can I murder Vernon and Petunia? That's true. Um... But, but he was also British. Yes, he was British. This is true. Um, but regardless, he performed rituals with his younger sister's dolls that culminated in him removing their heads and hands. And he often forced his sisters, this is the fucked up part, to play games that he called Electric Chair and Gas Chamber, in which he had them blindfold him and lead him to a chair where he pretended to writhe in agony until he, quote, died. But, like, how old was he when all this was going on? Like a little kid. This was, like, in Montana. Yeah, but Montana. how does he know that? I know. How does he know what an electric chair is and, like, well, a gas chamber is? Well, we'll get into just how smart he was in, in a minute, but he was incredibly smart. So I have a feeling, yeah. like, when you're smart, you're given more, like, in terms of education. Like, I remember when I was in seventh grade... I was given special permission to do a book on the on To Kill a Mockingbird because I was at a higher reading level and I was able to comprehend it and enjoy it. And it's to this day, it's one of my favorite books. But I can remember I finished Louisa May Alcott's Little Women in like the third grade. Like mm-hmm. it depends. I knew other kids who were like trying to get through Junie B. Jones. Like everybody's at a different 
level i knew i knew kids who were sitting there there i went to high school with a kid freshman year we were asked about one book that we enjoyed over the summer and this kid goes oh i read homer's the odyssey and we're all sitting there looking at him like what the fuck because that's like a thousand pages or some shit oh no 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 he was just that fucking smart and then it gets cuter i don't know why i keep saying that but it's fine he read it in greek ew not even just (laughs) you like damn are we kidding that's intense that that is smarter than i will ever hope to be freshman year of high school yeah but still Um, like the content that he was like yeah you were given permission yes to to read like a a higher he was reading fucked up shit yeah no so what did he do after he played those games um so he also recalled that as a little boy he would sneak out of his house and with his dad's bayonet why the fuck does your dad have a bayonet is this 1893 like i don't know why we've got bayonets in the house but okay does he live in montana yes so his father basically gave him a or no he said as a little boy so i don't know i don't know if he was still in montana no he's not still in montana because he would go to his second grade teacher's house so he had to have been still in california because his parents divorced when he was nine go to his second grade teacher's house to watch her through the windows and on one occasion when his older sister susan huey kemper teased him and asked why he didn't try to kiss his teacher he replied quote if i kiss her i'll have to kill her first red flag red flag he's in second fucking grade shit like again i don't agree with how shitty clarnell was to him and maybe that played a role into how he turned out but on the other on the other hand i don't blame her for locking him in that fucking basement yeah what a sketchy kid like what do you do in that scenario because it's not like she can like kill him to protect the rest of the the world like i mean you're yeah, kind of I mean, stuck he can go to like therapy and stuff yeah but like the oh well wait we'll go to, we'll go there we'll go there um so this is where it gets really sad for me this is this is this one was the tough part um kemper's first victims were the family cats at 10 years old oh it gets no it gets bad he buried one of the cats alive and once it died he dug it up decapitated it and mounted its head on the spike and the Uh, second wow i'm i like literally I just wanted to snug my kitties after this. I just wanted to hold them close and just love them forever. But um, the second cat, he slaughtered with a knife when he perceived it to be favoring his younger sister, Alan Lee, more than him. And he kept pieces of the cat in his closet until his mother found him, which, Ew. as we'll discuss, actually became part of his MO later. Yeah. Um. He also had near-death experiences as a child. Um, one time, his sister Susan tried to push him in front of a train. Oh, uh, shit. Okay. Um, and another Not the time, only fucked up one in the family. Oh, no, it gets better. Because another time, his older sister pushed him into the deep end of a pool, and he almost drowned. Well, I mean, he could probably stand up. He was like 42 feet tall. <laughs> Right, you're right that's all he just didn't think like to stand how up. deep could the water be six feet he was six four i think a deep end no but i think this is when he was a kid this is when he was a little boy 
he was and, still and, really but tall. also i think a deep end is like seven or eight feet so it's still it's still got some leverage yeah, on it but oh, yeah that's it that's his problem he didn't save himself um good Haley. good um so at the <laughs> victim age of 15, blaming yes exactly <laughs> victim blaming don't, a serial killer don't victim blame ed kemper um <laughs> so at the age of 15 ed ran away from home in an attempt to reconcile with his father in i'm not gonna get this right i know i've lived here long enough that i should know it but i think it's van nuys that sounds right all right um which is in california it's in los angeles and once there he learned that his father had remarried and had a stepson oh secret family no like not like not essentially like he he didn't have the family before he got a divorce he just basically like kemper took it as like he was replaced yeah pretty much yeah so he stayed with his dad for a little while and then his dad sent him back to his mom who decided to send the troubled teenager to live with his paternal grandparents, Maud and Edmund Kemper Sr., who lived on a ranch in the mountains of North Fork. Kemper hated living in North Fork. He referred to his grandfather as, quote, senile, and stated that his grandmother was, quote, constantly emasculating me and my grandfather. So he's got a lot of lady issues. His mom's a bitch, he's his sister's a bitch, his grandma's issues. a bitch. Like, homeboy's got it rough. But regardless, on August 27th, 1964, Kemper's grandmother was sitting at the kitchen table when she and Kemper had an argument. Enraged by the argument, Kemper stormed off and grabbed the rifle, which his grandfather had given him for hunting. And he then returned to the kitchen. And when Maud told him not to shoot any birds, he shot her in the head before firing twice more in her back. Whoa. All right. Yeah, and she was dead after that first shot, but no, he had to yeah, like, no shit. double and triple tap it. So she was 67 years old at the time. Um, some accounts allege that Maud additionally suffered multiple post-mortem stab wounds with a kitchen knife. And then Ed dragged her body out of the kitchen and into her bedroom. When his oh. grandfather came home from grocery shopping, Kemper went outside and shot him in the driveway. He was 72. And Kemper was unsure what to do next, so he phoned his mother, who told him to call the local police. And Ed then called the police and waited for them to take him into custody. What the hell is that phone call like? Hey, Mom, something happened. How are your grandparents? Oh, well, they're dead. They're <laughs> I dead. killed them. Remember Funny the cats? Thing. <laughs> I've upgraded. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where we're at. Um. When he was questioned by the authorities, Kemper said that he, quote, just wanted to see what it felt like to kill grandma. <laughs> okay. I, I think I read that in a Hallmark card once. Yeah, but, right? <laughs> okay. Um, and then that he killed his grandfather so that he would not have to find out that his wife was dead. I know that the words... Just a nice mercy like, killing. I was going to say, put out of their misery are thrown around a lot. I don't think that's what they mean when they say that. Nope. Um, but regardless, psychologist Donald Lund, who interviewed Kemper at length during adulthood, wrote that with these murders, quote, in his way, Kemper had avenged the rejection of both his father and his mother. And he just got a taste for blood. I, I was going to say, Don, then explain all of the other ones, because if he avenged the rejection, then what's the deal with all the other ones? Um, 
But he was subsequently, Kemper was subsequently diagnosed by court psychiatrists as suffering from paranoid schizophrenia and was sentenced to the Atascadero State Hospital as a criminally insane juvenile. So we talked about... Sounds about right. Yeah, no, I would say that, like, that's a qualifying statement. I would say that that's accurate. Um, But during his time at Atascadero, young Ed was a model prisoner... He they assisted. Always are. Oh no, 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 no! You have no idea. Like he makes Jody Arias look like a class clown. He assisted in creating tests that the prison would use for psychological testing of the inmates. <laughs> yeah, that seems like something that he should be allowed to do. Uh, right, right. I don't think so. Um, one of his psychiatrists actually stated later on that quote he was a very good worker, and this is not typical of a sociopath. He really took pride in his work. Oh, good. You know what else he took pride in? God bless in? him. Killing. But anyway, yep. um, but he was a good worker. Um, so yeah, so during this time, Kemper managed to memorize the, quote, correct answers to at least 14 different tests, ensuring that he could easily test as a sane, healthy-minded, and well-adjusted young man. <laughs> yeah. Works out super well, right? Oh, no, but he was a hard worker. Yep. No, no shit. He wants to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Um, I'd be working hard too. Are you kidding me? When but all so, he yeah. wants to do is murder. Exactly. That's that's his one true love. No woman will ever love him, so he just needs to be loved in the way that he can, which is murder. Um, but yes, yeah, so he was released on his twenty first birthday. Turn up, he HBD, and after convincing psychiatrists that he was rehabilitated because you know he memorized all the fucking answers to all the fucking tests. Yep. Um, Kemper was regarded as a non-threatening individual. Sounds right. Yeah. So, not only is this insane because we know what he did, but it's also insane because, as we were talking about, Kemper is best known for his large stature in addition to his large, high intelligence. So, he ended up becoming, like, at adulthood, he reached six foot nine... Whew. and weighed over 250 pounds. Jesus Christ. He was he was solid. He's a biggin. Yes. And he had a reported IQ of 145 out of a maximum score of 162, which is considered to be genius level. And yeah. I did a little research for comparison's sake. Um Thomas Edison was believed to have an IQ of 145. Oh shit. Yes. Alternatively, Einstein and Stephen Hawking were believed to have IQs of 160. So he has the same IQ as Thomas Edison, and he's only 15 fucking points away from Einstein and Stephen Hawking. Wow. Yeah. So between the fact that he was basically, oh, I did keep it in, that he was basically a fucking Sasquatch and that he could outsmart the average person relatively easily, there is no way in hell that he was quote not threatening to his victims yeah right they were not gonna get away from him even if they were like able to like think oh you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna do this really like i'm I'm gonna do that fucking bicycle move with my zip ties or whatever the fuck no he's like two steps ahead of you bitch like you're not going anywhere like i said when you're like 98 feet tall exactly you're gonna freak some people out exactly no so basically as awful as this sounds 
the minute Ed Kemper set his eyes on you, you were fucking doomed. Okay. Yeah. Like that is it. That's it. Goodbye. Um, like write your will. That's the end of it. But so, yeah, against the recommendations of psychiatrists at the hospital, Kemper was released into the care of his mother because that makes sense. Um, why not? Yeah. Why not? And she had remarried and taken the surname Strandberg and then divorced again because, to quote her first husband, suicide bombing is usually a better thing than spending time with her. So, Clarnell. Um, oh, Clarnell, you shady lady. So Kemper later demonstrated further to his psychiatrists that he was rehabilitated. And on November 29, 1972, his juvenile records were permanently expunged. Well, that's what usually happens when you turn, like, 18, right? Yeah, but that's usually what happens when you turn 18 and you were, like, flagged for drunk driving. Not when you murder your fucking grandparents. Yeah, that's a little weird. Yeah, that, mm, no thanks. Especially because of what he decides he wants to pursue as a career. Murder? Well, besides that, you don't get paid. You know what? As as you and I know, murder doesn't pay. Mm. Don't I know it? I know. Um, But so, yeah. (laughs) So the last report from his probation psychiatrists read, quote, and this is like, I laughed out loud when I read this. I'm going to try to keep it together because this is like, these people should be fired. They should be like stripped of their licenses. Like (laughs) if psychiatrists can be like disbarred, they should be disbarred. Even if they can't be disbarred, I feel like they should be disbarred. So like you really, they, you really yes. missed the ball on that one, guys. They, no, 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 no. Like, they didn't miss the ball. They didn't even fucking see it. Like, the ball wasn't even there. It was like they were on one court and the ball was on the other court. Like, nowhere near. They said, quote, If I were to see this patient without having any history available or getting any history from him, I would think that we're dealing with a very well-adjusted young man who had initiative, intelligence, and who was free of any psychiatric illnesses. It is my opinion that he has made a very excellent response to the years of treatment and rehabilitation, and I would see no psychiatric reason to consider him to be of any danger to himself or any member of society. And, since it may allow him more freedom as an adult to develop his potential, I would consider it reasonable to have a permanent expunction of his juvenile records. Yeah, but that also shows, like, how... It shows that he Smart was a sociopath. And manipulative he was. Yes, it shows that he was a sociopath, but also they knew that they were dealing with a sociopath. They literally said he was such a hard worker for a sociopath. Yeah, but like they knew this, so, but they just He was like Ted Bundy like charismatic without the good looks. I was going to say he was like if Ted Bundy was like Bigfoot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or if Bigfoot was Bundy, Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy. Either or. Bigfoot and uh, Einstein. Do they still have those those websites when you were a kid where you would put your photo and your crush's photo to find out what your baby would, like? would look like? Yes, because I if would like, I one, would like a mashup. I would like a mashup of Ted Bundy and Bigfoot, please. Thank you very much. Yes, um, and it's going to be Ed Kemper. Somebody we'll, please we'll do that, that for me. Somebody please do that for me. Dumb websites. Um, oh, I'm sure we can. Um, but so yeah, so his records were expunged. 
I'll, I'll keep my opinions to myself. Um, and while staying with his mother, Kemper attended community college in accordance with his parole requirements and had hoped he would become a police officer. Mm. Yeah, See, I, think they, uh, I think they check you out a little bit they more. They didn't just drop the ball. They fucking spiked it. Yeah. Um, but he was rejected because of yeah, his no size. Well. Not even because he, I don't know, murdered two family members in cold blood. But don't no. Don't you want somebody that's a fucking giant to no. be on your police squad? No. My, my, my childhood friend who is now my close friend's boyfriend because that's how fucking life works. Um, he's in the process of becoming a police officer. And if you are too big, you essentially like you have to do a whole fitness test and stuff and you won't be able to move with the agility and swiftness that you need well, to in some situations. Squad. Put him on the brute squad. That's not how it works. <laughs> put Why him on the he... A team. Oh, you know what he should have done? He, he should have auditioned for the A team. He should have been a bouncer. But he then he would have had access. Bouncer. Except no, because he would have had access to a hell of a lot more women, Haley, who are very oh, vulnerable. Oh, he had access to plenty of women. Yeah, I know. He had binders full of women. But anyway, um... So he was rejected because of his size, not because of his, I don't know, like record that was expunged. So like, all right. Um, And however, Kemper maintained relationships with Santa Cruz police officers despite his rejection and became a self-described, quote, friendly nuisance at the bar called the jury room, (laughs) which was a popular hangout for local law enforcement officers. Yes, that's you heard me correctly a serial killer the size of a fucking polar bear referred to himself as quote a friendly nuisance because he's like some fucking disney character that's what i'm gonna put on my resume i'm a friendly nuisance (laughs) what are your skills friendly nuisance (laughs) friendly nuisance (laughs) i'm gonna do that i'll annoy the shit out of you but i'm so happy about it (laughs) but i'm doing it i'm being friendly um (laughs) But so, yeah, so he eventually got a job with the state of California in their highway department, which is now known as the California Department of Transportation, Um, because, again, background checks apparently aren't a thing. And during this time, his relationship with Clarnell remained toxic and hostile. Shocking. And they would have frequent arguments, which their neighbors often overheard. Kemper later described the arguments he had with his mother, stating, quote, my mother and I started right on the horrendous battle. Uh, uh, I'm going to start that again. Um, stating, my mother and I started right in on horrendous battles, just horrible battles, violent and vicious. I've never been in such a vicious verbal battle with anyone. It would go to fists with a man, but this was my mother, and I couldn't stand the thought of my mother and I doing these things. She insisted on it and just over stupid things. I remember one roof razor was over whether I should have my teeth cleaned. I mean, you gotta have your teeth cleaned, man. I know, but also, he won't hit his mother. But he'll do other things, as we'll get into. We'll we'll get to that in a second. Hold on to that little kernel. Can you imagine him raising his voice? It must sound like a fucking bullhorn. Yeah, he was probably a fucking house. He's a. Oh Jesus! Like, can he fit their doorways? Probably. Like, I mean, he, he's, he has the ability to stoop, yes. Like, theoretically. 
Yeah, but he's got to be like a hunchback. He's got to stoop around for everything. I mean, I don't think that's his biggest problem here, but... Yes. <laughs> I think his biggest problem is that he murdered scores of women. <laughs> yes, binders full of women. Um, but uh, Romney's never going to get over that. He's never going to live that down. But um, so when Kemper had saved up enough money, he moved out to live with a friend in Alameda. But while there, he still complained about being unable to get away from his mother with her regularly phoning him and paying him surprise visits. If she hates the shit out of him so much, why can't she just leave him the fuck alone? Yeah, that's what I don't understand either. I'm like, you both are finally rid of each other. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, right? <laughs> um, But regardless, it sucks because he often would have to move back into her apartment because of limited funds. So he would like live there Ugh. for a while, not be able to afford his place, move back in with her, save up some money, and then do it again. Yeah. So... The same year he began working for the highway department, Kemper began dating a 16-year-old Turlock high school student to whom he would also later become engaged. How old was he? Um, he began working for the highway department. I don't know. He was definitely... It was definitely not legal. It was definitely weird? It was definitely weird. Quick. 1972 minus 1948. I can't do math. Somebody, somebody listening. I'm doing do it math. now. So that's 24. And this is after his records were expunged. And in 1972, his records were expunged. So he is at least eight years younger than her. I mean, older than her. Older. Yes. So I mean, it's we'll round it up to thing, a decade. But like, um, um, but, but. Mm, in, no. in adult life, it's um, not that weird. But she's 16. She's, so she's, that is weird. She is still a child. Yes. Um, Legally, she, like, no matter how much to- she's like. I'm a, I'm an adult. I'm an adult. You can't. When they're do that. walking like, around together, she must look like his daughter. I mean, not even that. Like, forget sixty-seven the whole, like, feet older, tall. This yeah, man was exactly. It, yes, exactly. That was it, Haley. <laughs> sixty-seven feet. Yes. Um, approximately. Like, yes, approximately. Give or take a couple thousand feet with a hat um, on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, forget that, like, you're in an intimate relationship with a guy and you don't know he's a homicidal maniac? I mean, we'll get to, we'll get to some serial killers where that's a big thing. Yeah. It's just, you know, love is blind, all that shit. Um, Apparently it's that blind, but oh well. Um, But at the same time that he was with his, at some point, fiance, um, he was also hit by a car while out on his motorcycle, which how bad he did he recently, hurt the car? I, I was about to say, I wonder how big of a... Like, the car was totaled. He had a he had It's just, a like, pinky. the shape of his body. <laughs> the car was totaled. He had a pinky sprain. Um, <laughs> it's like hitting a brick wall. He had a couple split ends, but otherwise he was fine. Yeah, um, right? His hair was a slightly out of place, and the car was fucking smoking in the it distance. Was askew. <laughs> the car is a pile of dust. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, his arm was badly injured, and he received a fifteen thousand dollars settlement in the civil suit that he filed against the car's driver. So while driving around in the yellow nineteen sixty nine Ford Galaxy he bought with his settlement money, he noticed a large number of women hitchhiking and began storing tools, including plastic bags, knives blankets, and handcuffs, you know, all the things that you would keep in a car in case of an emergency. 
and he thought he might need to fulfill his re-burgeoning murderous desires. Also, I don't have any info on this accident besides that there was an accident. I'm going to go ahead and say it was his fault. <laughs> you know, he's, he's a had, big dumb idiot. He's had a he's had a rough life. No, because he's also got an IQ of like a million. So he probably like saw this coming before Doesn't the driver mean you're saw good at it riding coming. a motorcycle. True, true, but I feel like there's some physics in there. Like, I don't know. He probably memorized all the driving tests and then took them. But either way, um, so he then began picking up girls and peacefully letting them go. And according to Kemper, he picked up around 150 hitchhikers, any of whom would have been, quote, suitable mm, before mm-hmm. he felt homicidal sexual urges, which he called his, quote, little zapples. How quaint. And then he began acting on those little zapples. Also, well then, yes, because it, he's he's basically likening them to fucking Muppet characters. But anyway, um, <laughs> I did put a note here as a fun fact that when I first was reading this and writing down my notes, I thought he was referring to the women he picked up as being his little zapples. That's kind of cute. <laughs> it, it, it's cute until they end up dead. But regardless, Haley, you're my little zapple. You're but, my little um, zapple. Oh my god, thanks. Let's get t-shirts. <laughs> oh my god, can we please? <laughs> I'm with this little zapple. I'm with that little zapple. Oh, oh my god. Oh with my just god. just Kemper faces on the back. No, 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 with fucking Sasquatch hands. Yes. Like like the abominable snowman hands. Um, <laughs> and no one's going to know what we're talking about, but that's fine. Um, so from May 1972 through April 1973, Kemper targeted young female hitchhikers during his killing spree by luring them into his vehicle and driving them to secluded areas where he could murder them before taking their corpses back to his home to be decapitated, dismembered, and violated. Ooh. And a partridge in a pear tree. Um, and although Kemper preferred the term humiliated in regard to his post-mortem activities with the corpses, he would then take their lifeless bodies to his home where he would perform oral sex on their severed heads and have sex with their corpses and then dissect and dismember them. Uh, wow. Wow. Yeah, it's it's a fun time, you know? It's like it's it's cute. But um so Kemper has stated in interviews that he would often go hunting for victims after his mother's outbursts toward him and that she would not introduce him to the women attending the university where she worked. He recalled her saying, "Quote or or he recalled she would say, "You're just like your father. You don't deserve to get to know them." Why is she such a fucking twat? She's she's a bitch, but also I mean he's I mean he's horrible. Saved we all those get women. that. We understand yeah, that. But like she's a bitch, she's but she a... saved those women like at her I university. Guess. Yeah, but maybe if he dated somebody, he wouldn't be a fucking weirdo. Um, no, because he did date somebody. He got fucking engaged to a child, and yeah, guess was... what? He was still a fucking weirdo. He didn't kill her. No, but I mean. <laughs> He it didn't help. It wasn't like he was like, okay, I can live a normal life now. I guess. Yeah, that's right. Riddle me that. Or no, did you disappear again? <laughs> no, I said okay. I guess. I didn't hear I guess. 
so I got nervous. Um, it got a little too silent, and I got scared. But um, (laughs) go on. Yes. So psychiatrists and Kemper himself have espoused the belief that the young women who he killed were surrogates for his ultimate target, his mother, and that the humiliating acts he committed on his mother's corpse support this hypothesis. Which we'll get to in a sec. Yeah, I was about to be like, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, He wouldn't raise a fist to his mother, but he will murder her and do other things. So on May 7th, 1972, my fucking birthday, a couple of years too early, but still my birthday. Just a couple. Just a couple. Just a few. Just a tad. Not like 22 or anything. Um, Kemper was driving in Berkeley, California when he picked up two 18-year-old hitchhiking Fresno State students, Marianne Pesci and Anita Mary Luchessa, on the pretext of taking them to Stanford University. After driving for an hour, he managed to reach a secluded wooded area near Alameda, which he was familiar with from his work at the highway department and the life th- and the fact that he lived there. And without alerting his passengers that he had changed directions from where he wanted to go, he took them there and he attempted he intended to rape them, but having learned from serial rapists in Atascadero, the psychiatric hospital he was in, that you should not leave witnesses, he instead handcuffed Pesci and locked Lucessa in the trunk before stabbing and strangling Pesci and then killing Lucessa. Well, damn. I know, right? It's a good thing that he went to that uh, that place and just learned from all the other serial murders. Right? He learned so much. You know, like, it was a really good place for him. He learned how to kill better. He learned how to rape better. He learned, he learned how, how to, to get away with shit. He learned how to get away, period. Yeah. Like, mm, that's that's a that's an education <sighs> system Betsy DeVos would be proud of. Mm-hmm. But um so yeah. Also, I'd like to point out here that in my notes I wrote killing Luchessa to death, but anyway. <laughs> um <laughs> IQ 145, I am not. But um Kemper later confessed that while he handcuffed Pesci, he quote, brushed the back of his hand against one of her breasts and it embarrassed him. Before adding that he, quote, even said, whoops, I'm sorry, or something like that, after <laughs> grazing her breast, despite murdering her merely minutes later. What a fucking weirdo. This is, this is strange. But, um, so yeah, Kemper then put both of their bodies in the trunk of his galaxy and returned to his apartment. He was stopped on the way by a police officer for a broken taillight. But he managed not to be detected for, I don't know, murdering two women. Great. Yeah. So his roommate wasn't home. This guy has like a streak of good luck. Like, yeah, his mother's a bitch. Yeah, his parents got a divorce. But he also managed to get himself out of a psychiatric hospital, get his record expunged, convince these two women to get in a car with him, among others. And now his roommate isn't home and he can do whatever he wants with the bodies, which he will do. Yeah, And got away from a a cop. Yes, and he got away from the cop. That could have been the end of it. Yeah, no, literally, and that cop would have been a fucking hero. Um, What people don't know, that cop was Paul Holes. (laughs) I bet it was. (laughs) Um, Sources. Yes, and this is what started. This is what started the the saga of Paul Holes. Um, So his roommate wasn't home. So he brought the bodies inside and took pornographic photos of the women and defiled their corpses before dismembering them. 
He then put the body parts in plastic bags, which he later abandoned near Loma Prieta Mountain. And before disposing of Pesci and Lucessa's severed heads in a ravine, Kemper had sex with both of them. Gross. Yep. So in August of 1972, Pesci's skull was found up on Loma Prieta Mountain, but an extensive search failed to turn up the rest of her remains or a trace of Lucessa's. Shit. Yeah. Um, so next, this is where it gets really weird to me. On September 14th. This is 14th, where it gets weird. Yeah. No, no, no. And this isn't even like, this isn't even weird. On September 14th, 1972, which is my mother's birthday. I know two people that that's their birthday. I, a bunch of people were born that day. Weird. Yeah. But regardless, so we've got so far two. Two birthday, birthdays. Uh, yeah. Connections. Um, Kemper picked up 15-year-old Korean dance student Aiko Koo who had decided to hitchhike to dance class after meet, after missing Aww. her bus. I know, I know, this poor baby. But um, he again drove to a remote area, pulled a gun on Koo before accidentally locking himself out of his car. This could have been the end. She could have just hopped yeah, into that didn't seat he, Didn't he fled. lock himself out of the car with the gun inside the car? Yes. Oh my God. However, Koo let him back inside because he gained her trust where he proceeded to choke her understand. until she passed oh, out wait, rape her and kill her did when he pulled out the gun didn't he say he was going to kill himself i think so i think i read something like that there i tried to do I like an that abridged was, version that was the whole thing it might have been something like that i don't remember exactly but regardless but still he convinced her to let him back in the car um that's insane yeah it's fucked but um, so, yeah, he put her body in the trunk of his car, just like he did with the other two, had a few drinks at a nearby bar, then left the bar and opened his trunk, quote, admiring his catch like a fisherman, end quote, because that's normal. And yeah, he's returning smart, but to he's his also apartment, real dumb. You like know, he just has the trunk open while he's at a bar. N- like, no, 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 no. He he leaves the bar, opens his trunk looks at her like she's a fucking salmon and then is like okay that's it i'm gonna go home now jesus yeah i know so yeah um he went back to his apartment with her body had sex with the corpse dismembered her disposed of her remains in a similar manner as his previous victims and this is where it gets sad this this reminds me a lot of um christine what's her name from the wineville chicken coop murders yeah um her mother called the police um ku's mother called the police to Mm -hmm. report her daughter's disappearance and put up hundreds of flyers asking for information about her whereabouts but did not receive any responses about her daughter's location or status oh that's so sad yeah her like i as far as i could find her remains were not found oh my god yeah um which is the case with a few of his victims yeah. Um, so next, on January 7th, 1973, unfortunately, no birthdays for me, um, Kemper, who by this time had moved back in with his mother, was driving around the Cabrillo Cabot. Blah, 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 blah. I think it's actually Cabrillo. Um, okay. Cabrillo College campus when he picked up an 18 year old student named Cindy Shaw. She, I mean, he, not she, she was not driving. He drove to a sequestered wooded area and fatally shot her with a 22 caliber pistol. 
He then placed her body in the trunk of his car and drove to his mother's house, where, like with the cat, he kept her body hidden in a closet in his room overnight. Oh, my God. I know. When his mother left for work the next morning, he had sex with and removed the bullet from Shaw's corpse before dismembering and decapitating her in his mother's bathtub. <sighs> I know. Um, so yeah, he kept the severed head for several days, regularly having sex with it like it's a fucking fleshlight. And then he buried it. Oh, no, it gets better. It gets even worse. This is the worst one. He buried it in his mother's garden, facing upward toward her bedroom, later remarking that his mother, quote, always wanted people to look up to her. Wow. This dude fucking hates his mom. Hated his mom. Yeah, no shit. Why did you have to kill all these girls? Just kill your mom, you fucking weirdo. Well, it's funny you should say that. Um, yeah, we got a couple more before then. Yeah, I know. But it's funny you should say that. Please hold. Hold that thought, please. So he discarded the rest of Shaw's remains by throwing them off a cliff. Over the course of the following few weeks, all but her head and right hand were discovered and, quote, pieced together like a macabre jigsaw puzzle. All nice. Right. You, didn't, nice. you didn't need to phrase it like that. <laughs> nice. Nice. It's probably that same psychiatrist who is like, you know... I had a lovely conversation he with seems this young like man. A great guy. Yes. Um with no psychopathic tendencies. Um so police and a pathologist determined that her body had been hacked, then cut into pieces with a power saw. <sighs> Cute. So then on February 5th, 1973, after a heated argument with his mother, because hello, this is why we're here. Because all all conversations it all comes with his back mother to that. are heated. Um Kemper left his house in search of possible victims. And with a heightening suspicion of a serial killer preying on hitchhikers in the Santa Cruz area, gee, wonder why, <laughs> um, students were advised to only get into cars with university stickers on them. Kemper had such a sticker as his mother worked at USC. Mm. So he encountered 23-year-old Rosalind Heather Thorpe and 20-year-old Allison Liu on the USC campus. And according to Kemper, Thorpe entered his car first, which reassured Lou to also enter. And he then fatally shot both the women with his .22 caliber pistol and wrapped their bodies in blankets. Mm. Uh, once again, Kemper brought his victims back to his mom's house, this time beheading them in his car and carrying a headless corpse into his mother's house to have sex with. He then dismembered the bodies, removed the bullets to prevent identification, and the next morning discarded their remains. Wow. Um, and these remains were found at Eden Canyon a week after the murders, and more were found near Highway 1 in March of that year. Mm. So when questioned in a later interview as to why he removed his victims' heads before having sex with the bodies, he explained, quote, The head trip fantasies were a bit like a trophy. You know, the head is where everything is at. The brain, eyes, mouth. That's the person. I remember being told as a kid, you cut off the head and the body dies. The body is nothing after the head is cut off. Well, that's not quite true. There's a lot left in the girl's body without the head. Yeah, but you're embarrassed when you, like, accidentally swipe a boob. You can't touch a woman's titty, but you can chop her fucking head off and Keep fuck her. Keep it in her. the closet and fuck it multiple times. Well, no, that was a different woman, but yes, but yes. That's, that's his main 
but deal. It, th- this was his explanation as to why it, with these two women, he cut off their heads first and only fucked their bodies. Oh, God. Yes. Not not as good. Or, no, still not good. This is what I mean. <laughs> None of them are good. <laughs> Fuck. That's what I was trying to say. All of them are bad. Like, yeah. All right. I'm not. All right. He's a bad man. Okay. He just bad things. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I'm, we're gonna get like hate mail now. Caitlin sympathizes with Ed Kemper. <laughs> I don't think that's what we're yeah. getting at. His victims' families are gonna be like coming at me with their pitchforks, being like, "Listen here, bitch." Um. So finally, this is where it gets climactic with his killing spree. Kemper murdered his mother and one of her friends before turning himself into the authorities. So on April twentieth, nineteen seventy three, which was Good Friday. Clarnell and also uh whose birthday bunch of years uh, well it's one of the um fuck a bunch of years later it was uh columbine <gasps> you're right i didn't even think also, about it's 420 that. smoke it up <laughs> blaze it and praise <laughs> it it wasn't isn't it also hitler's birthday i don't fucking do you think i keep track of hitler's birthday i don't know i thought i saw a lot of stuff on hitler's birthday when it was also 420 but I yeah but i don't know what celebrating I, I, I was gonna hard. say first of all yes that's just because you'll look for any excuse to celebrate 420 second of all i'm not gonna celebrate hitler's birthday second of all <laughs> oh hitler's birthday gotta token it up um <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck all right i gotta stop before i'm called an anti-semite um which i'm not by the way like no i'm not it's just 420 hitler was a fucked up dude um, I'm sure we'll cover it at some point. Oh, yeah. No, we probably will. Um, there's a lot of really, especially with those papers that were released um, regarding the JFK assassination and World War II and everything. There's a lot of really interesting stuff that just came out about Hitler. But um, we'll get to that. Interesting. On another episode. So on 420. Time. Yes. We'll figure out if his birthday is actually like the 420. And then we'll do it from there. Um, yeah. But so, yeah. So, Clarnell came home from a party and woke Kemper up. And while sitting in bed reading a book, she noticed Kemper enter her room and said, quote, I suppose you're going to want to sit up all night and talk now. What a bitch. What a bitch. So, Kemper replied, no, good night, before waiting for her to fall asleep, at which point he returned to bludgeon her with a claw hammer and slit her throat with a knife. I mean... I don't like Ed Kemper, and Clarnell seems like a huge twat, but like, also, you know what? It's about time. I was going to say, to quote our Chicago episode, she had it coming. She had it coming. She had it coming. Yeah. She only I mean, had herself to blame. What um, a bitch. So yeah, so she was 52. I mean, he did, he did, he went a little far. Oh he no, he goes further. Good. No, he goes further. Oh, he goes I know. Further. He then decapitated her. I mean, had, yeah, that's what he loves to do. No, he loves to do other things, too, which he does. He had sex with his mother's severed head before using okay. it. Oh, no, it gets worse. Before using it as a dartboard. Wow. Stating that he, quote, put her head on a shelf and screamed at it for an hour. <laughs> threw darts wow. at it. And eventually, quote, smashed her face in. That's what he wanted to do all along. Yeah. He just... He wouldn't raise a fist to her when she was living. So he figured out a loophole. 
bash the he, shit he out of her face. He used that 145 and IQ. Yeah. Found a loophole. But um, he also cut out her tongue and larynx and put them in the garbage disposal. Very symbolic. Yeah. Oh, well, wait. Because he said, because however, the garbage disposal would not break down the vocal cords and it ejected <laughs> the tissue back oh, into the sink. I know. I know. But Kemper later said, quote, that seemed appropriate as much as she'd bitched and screamed and yelled at me over so many years. <laughs> she like, just had to get one more word in. She, exactly. Like, I mean, it's fucked up, but also that was a pretty funny quip. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah, it, that was pretty funny. Um, he has a very dry sense of humor from like his interviews and stuff mm-hmm. that you can see. But like, he's still a fucking murderer. Like, sorry. Um. Yeah. He, he then had sex with his mother's corpse as opposed to the head, hid it in a yeah. closet as he as he does, um, uh-huh. and went out to drink. Good. Yes. Um, going to party hard. Turn up. Killed my mom. Um, Why upon not? his return, he invited his mother's best friend, 59 year old Sally Hallett over to the house for dinner and a movie. For whatever fucking reason, Hallett showed up. Like, I'm sorry, mm. if your son, if your friend's son is sitting there and is like, hey, you want to come over for dinner in a movie? What about Creepy. me? Just like a little bit suspicious. Like, just a little intrigued, though. Suspicious. Like, is this a Mrs. Robinson scenario? I'm just, I, mm, eh, mm. but anyway, um, when Sally arrived, he strangled her to death, decapitated her and spent the night with her ex-animate body. Yes. Kemper then stuffed her corpse in a closet, obscured any outward signs of a disturbance, and left a note to the police that read, quote, approximately 5.15 a.m. Saturday. No need for her to suffer anymore at the hands of this horrible, quote, murderous butcher. Um, it It was quick, asleep, the way I wanted it. Not sloppy and incomplete, gents. Just a lack of time. That's quoted as well. I got things to do, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. This dude we literally all got things to do. This dude literally, if he was if he was walking around today, would be in a fucking fedora, tipping his hat and going, m'lady. Are we kidding? Ugh. Like, are we kidding? He's a um, fucking weirdo. Gents. Not sloppy and incomplete, gents. Like, okay. I'm sorry, let's go fucking fly a kite. Like, okay. Um, so yeah. So Kemper then left the scene and he stole Sally's car, drove Mm -hmm. to Pueblo, Colorado, and after not hearing any news about the murders of his mother and Sally on the radio, he found a phone booth, called the police, and confessed to their murders. Yeah, because he was like kind of friends with the police because he always wanted to be a cop. So like he was like buddy buddy with them. So he was like, why haven't they noticed yet? Excuse me. I did my big thing. I did this whole production and nobody fucking noticed. I put so much effort. So no, but it gets cuter. It gets better because he is so buddy buddy with the cops. Nobody believed him. They were like, (laughs) oh, all right. Yeah. Okay. Ed, sure. So then several hours later, um, he, they said like, call back later. And he was like, okay. And several hours later, he called back later and (laughs) asked to speak to an officer that he personally knew. So mm-hmm. they put that guy on and then he confessed to the officer that he killed his mom and Sally and waited in his car for the police to arrive, arrest him and take him into custody, where he then also confessed to the murders of those other six students. 
he just wanted credit yeah well that's like it's it's and that's the big thing i was actually thinking about getting away with it wasn't fun anymore yeah because there's there's a difference between killers like we talked about this but also like just at the very basic the ones who want to get caught because of credit and the ones who won't no matter what they won't do anything that might get them caught like yeah and i was thinking about this the other day because i was thinking about like oh i could i i was thinking about stealing to be honest with you and i was like you know (laughs) i could steal that like thing from a jewelry store and then wear it into that jewelry store and they wouldn't even know and then immediately i went yeah i'd be that killer that'd be like excuse me you haven't noticed that i did this terrible thing yes um so anyway, so don't worry because if I murder someone, we'll all know about it. I'll make sure of it. I thrive Good. on positive attention. I'm basically Tinkerbell. But um not even positive attention because if I'm murdering somebody, that's probably negative attention, so I just thrive on attention. Um Okay, good. Just in case you were wondering what kind of a killer I would be. There you go. There's your answer. But um so yeah, he found a phone booth called the police. They came to get him. He confessed to the murders, and then when they asked him after his arrest what motivated him to turn himself in, Kemper said, quote, The original purpose was gone. I, it wasn't serving any physical or real or emotional purpose. It was just a pure waste of time. Emotionally, I couldn't handle it much longer. Toward the end there, I started feeling the folly of the whole damn thing, and at the point of near exhaustion, near collapse, I just said to hell with it and called it all off. What a fucking twat. Not even what a fucking twat. What is this? Are you fucking Neil Simon? Like, oh, oh, the folly of it. I was near exhaustion, near collapse. I just had to hell with it and called it off. Like, are you fucking like Greta Garbo? Like, ever. Anyway, um, someone's been watching too many movies, as my mother once said about someone who I won't mention. Um, (laughs) Definitely not me. Um, Found sane and guilty of eight counts of first-degree murder at his trial in October 1973, Kemper, TBT to when he was little, Mm -hmm. requested the death penalty for his crimes. However, Mm. capital punishment was temporarily suspended in California at the time, so he instead received eight life sentences, which would run concurrently. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, that's about right. I never understood that. That's about right um well no i think it's kind of just like a fuck you yeah i guess like because he'll definitely never live that long but they're just like yeah as a fuck you we're gonna give you he's more of a punishment than li- you he need he doesn't have nine lives no but it's not about that it's it's literally it's a fuck you like okay well we know you're only going to last one lifetime however to really stick it to you we're gonna make it so that you'll never be able to like get out ever. Yeah, that's like and, when like, they give somebody like nine hundred years. I'm like, really? It's it's not. I like. I can see how some would say it's overkill. I see it more though as like a go fuck yourself. Yeah, that's true. Um, but regardless, um, so as as we mentioned before, he has been incarcerated in the California medical facility since 1973. Um, mm. that is right homeboy is still alive and has been denied parole five times including most recently in 2014 and a little too recent for me oh no it gets better he was denied parole five times he relinquished he relinquished his right to a parole hearing seven times 
telling the parole board he was not fit to return to society. Hmm. But then he apparently changed his fucking mind in 2014. Yes. Um, he is next up for parole in 2024. So in like a little over five years. Damn. Yeah. I I wonder if he'll get out. <laughs> I don't think so. Something tells me no. It's like our buddy Mark David Chapman. I don't think that's happening. <laughs> no. But then again, Elizabeth Smart's um, like co-conspirator for her kidnapping. I, I just feel saw so that. bad it's for fucking her. nuts. It's so fucked up. Like, I don't know why. I think her name is Wanda. I don't know why the fuck Wanda yeah, got the Wanda fuck out Garzo of there. Yeah, Wanda Garzo or something like that. Well, no, but she also still carries around the the her husband or whatever. She still carries around his writings. Like, she his, like, oh, like, this is what drove me to, like, kidnap Elizabeth Smart and rape her a bunch of times, like, teachings yeah she carries them around like a fucking bible like gross were were they like on crack when they let her out like i'm just curious i've got a lot of questions um but anyway so in the california medical medical facility kemper was in the same prison block as other criminals including charles manson and herbert mullen what a celebrity block it is a celebrity block, but it's interesting because just like how Cardi B and Nicki Minaj have that little beef going on, Kemper uh-huh. fucking hated Herbert Mullen, <clears throat> um, who committed, and I think this might be why, he committed his murders at the same time in Santa Cruz as Kemper, to the point that police thought the crimes were being committed by one person. Uh, so I like, think... I did my stuff different. Well, no, that's what I think. I think Kemper did not like that he was not getting the spotlight attention that he felt he deserved essentially however kemper says that he like he explained why he didn't like mullen and he described him as quote just a cold-blooded killer killing everybody he saw for no good reason all right yes he also stated that quote mullen had a habit of singing and bothering people when somebody tried to watch tv so i threw water on him to shut him up then when he was a good boy, I'd give him peanuts. Herbie liked peanuts. That was effective because pretty soon he asked permission to sing. That's called behavior modification treatment. Oh, what a freak. Like, I'm sorry. What the fuck? He really did study those tests, apparently, because he's speaking <laughs> like, he's speaking all that psychobabble. But, um... Damn. So, but while well, we'll get into the pop culture references for Kemper in like a sec. Um, Kemper himself has actually played a role in pop culture. For one, for starters, a 1987 LA Times article stated that at the time he was the coordinator of the prison's program and had spent over 5,000 hours narrating books with several hundred completed recordings to his name. And I mistyped that. He was the coordinator of their reading program. Mm. So, and he has, he has narrated Oh, at as of 1987, and it's happened since then. He's continued to do it. He narrated over 5,000 books. So the next time you're listening to fucking Audible, sponsor us, please. Um, the next time you're listening to them, there may or may not be Ed Kemper narrating one of your books. Yeah, just to get you started, uh, I was listening to the last podcast on the left episode about Kemper, Uh-oh. and uh, guess some books that he did. Flowers in the Attic. He did Flowers in the Attic. And <gasps> oh, no shit. Really? <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> um, oh, shit. Now I'm not going to be able to come back from this. Gone Girl. The kids book. Oh, no. Oh, God. No, Trump not Hop Swan. on Pop. No. Yeah. 
I loved Trumpet of the Swan. No. Yeah. Oh, fuck. There's actually, like, if you listen to the last podcast on the left uh, episode on Kemper, I think it's, like, because they have a two-parter on him. I think it's part two. And um, they have, like, a, a clip of him reading Flower, like, the beginning of Flowers oh in the God. Attic. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. No, that's really crazy. funny, though, because I didn't, like, I didn't know what he narrated or anything, but I was just, of when you said that, I was like, attic. yeah, I was like, Flowers <laughs> in the Attic seems like a book he would fucking read. But, um... Anyway, so yeah, but in addition to all of the audiobooks he's done, Kemper has also participated in a number of interviews, including a segment in the 1982 documentary The Killing of America, as well as an appearance in the 1984 documentary Murder, No Apparent Motive, which explored the then still virginal field of criminal and forensic psychology. Um, Kemper is also forthcoming about the nature of his crimes and has stated that he participated in the interviews to save others like himself from killing. And at the end, no, of he his, did it because he wanted to be on TV. I know. I know. I know. I'm not trying to paint him as some like noble, like fedora tipping gentleman gent. Yeah. Um, but at the end of his murder, no apparent motive interview, he says, quote, there's somebody out there that is watching this and hasn't done that hasn't killed people and wants to and rages inside and struggles with that feeling or is so sure they have it under control. They need to talk to somebody about it. Trust somebody enough to sit down and talk about something that isn't a crime. Thinking that way isn't a crime. Doing it isn't just a crime. It's a horrible thing. It doesn't know when to quit and it can't be stopped easily once it starts. Mm. He, he makes a good point. However, however... You didn't sit down and talk to anybody. You memorized all the fucking tests so you could get out and do it yeah, again. Right? Um, yep. So, mm, grain of salt. Um, but yeah, so in terms of works that Kemper was not personally involved in, um, mm-hmm. and we talked about this a little bit in our Ed Gein episode, like Ed Gein, he served as partial inspiration for the character of Buffalo Bill in the 1988 novel Silence of the Lambs by Thomas Harris, as well as its film adaptation. And also, like, Gein, or no, I'm skipping. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, because, <laughs> never mind. Elliot, cut that out. Um, <laughs> like, like Kemper, Bill also began his criminal life by fatally shooting his grandparents as a teenager. Mm. Yeah. But so, yeah. So, also mentioned in our Ed Gein episode, um, quick reminder that Patrick Bateman in the 2000 film American Psycho mistakenly attributed a quote by Kemper to Gein. And again, that quote is like, you can go back and listen to the Gein episode if you really want to, but I'll give it to mm-hmm. you here. Um, do you know what Gein said about women? He said, when I see a pretty girl walking down the street, I think two things. One part of me wants to take her out, talk to her, be real nice and sweet and treat her right. And the other part of me wonders what her head would look like on a stick. Yeah, that was a Kemper quote. Yeah, he quote he attributed it to Gein, but nope, twas Kemper. Um, let's see what else. American author Dean Kuntz said Kemper was an inspiration for his character Edgler Vess in his 1996 novel Intensity. Um, there's a direct-to-video horror film based loosely on Kemper's murders titled Kemper, the co-ed killer, and that was released in 2008. And several metal bands have also written songs about or that have been inspired by Kemper. Of course. Yes. However, I think the real reason we're all here today is because Kemper is, may I say, may I be so bold as to say, 
brilliantly, flawlessly portrayed by actor Cameron Britton in the 2017 Netflix drama series Mindhunter. Which yeah, they is get him to look like him, like, real good. Not even, no, that's not even, they didn't really get him. Like, if you look at him on IMDb, he just looks that's like just him. what he looks that's like? That's just what he looks like. Like, there's not really much makeup going on there. Like, he rocked a fro for a little while, but, like... And that weird stash? Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, anybody can grow facial hair. Like, that, but that's the extent of it. Like, he, like, did his hair different and I grew know, a mustache. That's so crazy, though. That's nuts. Like, he's huge and everything. Um, yeah. But the show Mindhunter is based on John Douglas's novel of the same name and for those who don't know who John Douglas is he is one of the FBI agents who pioneered the use of criminal profiling and coined the term serial killer in the 1970s and the series like his book is based on his extensive research with fellow agent Robert K Ressler so Douglas in the book in the move in the show I can't speak mm-hmm. um his character there are the character that um uh what's his name he married rachel and he shouldn't have um jonathan groff yes thank you um whew, we are on it today um jonathan groff's character is based on john douglas and then the Got other it. guy's character is based on robert k rensler but um in fact this is this i found really interesting um mm-hmm. some of the interview scenes between kemper and the two agents are based on actual interviews with Kemper and other killers by Douglas and Rensler. Mm-hmm. Sometimes even word for word. Wow, that's pretty crazy. That's dedication. Very authentic. To authenticity, yes. Um, so when Ed Kemper is telling the story of the night that he murdered his mother, for example, um, his words are almost exactly the same as an interview filmed and used in Murder No Apparent Motive. Hmm. Right. Um, and also in one of the final scenes in season one, episode 10, when Jonathan Groff's character, Ford, is meeting up with Kemper in his hospital room, Kemper stands over Ford and says, I could kill you now pretty easily. And in reality, a similar interaction took place between Kemper and Wrestler. Mm. Um, and Kemper noticed wrestler's nervousness and told him, quote, if I went apeshit in here, you'd be in a lot of trouble, wouldn't you? I could screw your head off and place it on the table to greet the guard. Oof. Wrestler shouted at Kemper until a guard arrived and allowed wrestler to leave. Kemper later claimed he was joking. Of course. But yeah. Um, so Brighton, Britain, I can't say his name. I don't fucking know. Cameron, I love you. You're incredibly talented. And he's so fucking good at playing this character that he was actually nominated for a 2018 Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Guest Actor in a Drama Series. And if you ask me, he was fucking robbed because like, Damn. yeah, yeah. Ron Cephas Jones, he did an excellent job as a murderer, as a murderer of feelings. And I, I started to call him a murderer and I was like, he's not a murderer. But then again, he <laughs> murdered my feelings. Um, And for those who don't know, Ron Cephas Jones is the grandpa in This Is Us. And if you don't watch it, don't because I got so emotional over an episode that I, I'm watching to catch up to the new season. I got so emotional over an episode the other day that Michael came home and I was just massively depressed and he had to sit on the couch and cuddle with me for like hours. Um, and it, for those who do watch it, it was the Crock-Pot episode. You're all of welcome. Course. Oh God, fuck. It was awful. But yeah, I don't see why they couldn't have just like shared the Emmy. But regardless, like Cameron Britton's 
portrayal was that incredible. I just when I saw it, I was like, this dude's getting nominated for an Emmy. And I mm. I really just <coughs> pardon me. <coughs> Excuse me again. Um, I just think he's so brilliant. Like, this is just an amazing portrayal. He was made for this role. And he part of the reason why he he didn't even really submit because he felt that he looked that much like Kemper for the role. Um, mm-hmm. Like, and it ended up that he did. But it was more like he was like, oh, they're looking for a guy that's like fucking tall. I'm fucking tall. I'll do this. Yeah. And I was like, dude, you don't even know because, yeah, yeah, it's cool that he looks like him. That's very like eerie. But just the sheer talent that he has, just the way that he can. It's like if you watch an interview with Ed Kemper and then you watch Mindhunter it, the mannerisms like he's just so talented and it's such a great portrayal of like what like people talk about how like chilling and creepy Hannibal Lecter is in Silence mm-hmm. of the Lambs and I would put that performance right up there with that in the sense that he's and I think just he oh I think like that show kind of brought Ed Kemper to like more, oh yeah because like people were like this culture. dude is because that's the difference between ed kemper and hannibal lecter is they're both scary as shit and they did some fucked up stuff but at the end of the day kemper is real and still alive and hannibal lecter yeah, he did is those real not. things yes um yeah. but even though like kemper uh, is considered one of like the heavy hitters like one of the like right most yeah. prolific serial killers not a Sil- ton of serial killer him. hall of fame um yeah that's but not a ton do. of people knew who he cards. was before the show no, not a lot of people knew who he was. And I think that part of that was because of Mindhunter being such a hit. Like, I know they're working on the new season right now. Um, yeah. And hopefully that'll be out soon. But also just Cameron Britton's portrayal of him really is what put it on the map. Yeah. Because people are like, oh, this is creepy. But there's no way he's that creepy in real life. And he is. Because, like, for example, they have they did use... I know BTK was briefly, like, glossed over. But they used another killer i want to say it was gain um mm-hmm. in the series that the, like as part of their quote-unquote interviews but um honestly uh, no offense to him i don't really remember his performance or like how it made me feel or anything like i still get a little bit of a chill when i think about cameron Britton and his performance it's just i can see it in my head right now just watching him and it just it was completely it was it was flawless he's just he's just it's it's a that is it may not be the role of a lifetime in terms of like as an actor you're always looking for that role of a lifetime i guess but for him he's just perfect for it he that is his like that is i can't think of somebody who played a character better at this moment like he just was so good in this Mm. um like people were all like, "Oh, Jonathan Groff, Jonathan Groff is in it." Blah blah blah. Jonathan Groff is great. However, Ed Kemper, Cameron Britton stole the show. Yeah, completely. But yeah, but that's all, all I right. have to say about Ed Kemper. And don't worry, that's I won't Kemper, talk man. too much about Cameron Britton anymore. Yeah, that's Kemper. It's all right. Everyone should go watch it. Everybody should go watch it. Definitely go watch sponsor it. Us. We're throwing people over to their platform and shows netflix should sponsor us like honestly like come on man i subscribe to you my dad pays for my netflix (laughs) 
I pay for my own Netflix. You do I'm pay for your own Netflix. Dull. You split it with Elliot. I might yep. start paying for my own Hulu soon. Look at us growing up. I know. When did we get old? <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, you've been old. You're a quarter of a century. But like, when did I get old? I don't know, man. <laughs> Haley's going to murder me after this. I am pretty old. You're not that old. You're and cute. I'm also tired because we're recording I'm, this episode late. I have tacos calling my name. So if you want to wrap this up, I wouldn't be opposed. Yeah. Literally, I sat down to my tacos and you were like, all right, I'm ready. I was like, fuck. <laughs> uh, you should go to the website, crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. Yeah. It's ours. We got a it's bunch cute. of stuff. We'll have some Kemper yeah. shit. Yeah, we'll have so- a bunch of Kemper yeah. shit. Yeah. And uh, don't forget that in October, we're doing two episodes every week. Twice as much spook, twice as much fun. So it's going to be a super fun time. And that starts great. next week. It does. It does. Next week, there's going to be two episodes. And our first one That's terrifying. Is, is super fun. It is super fun. We went on location. Yes, we did. It was, it's well, going to be a great time. I will say, in retrospect, it was kind of fun. In the moment, it was not fun at all. It was fun. It was fun for you. It was not fun for wait, me. Wait until you hear it. You'll hear how fun it is. We'll figure it out. It'll be fine. Um, yeah, so you can email us at uh, crimeculturepod at gmail.com. Yes, ma'am. Tell us all the fun things. Yeah, and you can go on to our social media on our website. It's yeah, all it's listed on the website. there. And you can give us a digital snuggle. And yes. Yeah, a social snuggle. A social snuggle. Social and snuggle. <laughs> like and I mean rate, review and subscribe. Like rate, subscribe. Um smash that like button. Smash that like. <laughs> Give us a comment. But yeah, no. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you were something Where to you do going with, with Kemper. <laughs> I, I was gonna say no I was gonna say if you were almost killed by Kemper and then as I did that I was like no because if you got in that car you weren't getting out <laughs> no he let go of a lot of people yeah but I mean like then he wasn't looking to kill people I mean like if you were almost yeah, killed by target set. if you were almost killed by Kemper you were eventually dead because of Kemper yeah Anyway, I really hope it's he a great listen note to, to leave a podcast on. I had a nightmare last night that he listened to this podcast and he contacted me and I don't like it. I don't think he's going to listen to the podcast. I live much closer to him than you do. That's fine. All right. I'm going to go die now. I'm going to eat my tacos. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. See you next Bye. Tuesday. See you next Tuesday and Thursday. And Thursday. Yes. Oh, you're so smart. Bye.